0: hey everybody at Stockholm Community Church what a pleasure it is for me to get to be with you today. my name is Mike Burnett I get to serve as a pastor of Life Point Church in Clarksville Tennessee and we absolutely love what God is doing through you guys through your church and absolutely love what God is doing in your pastors in fact Brian and Carolyn and my wife Stephanie and I we have been great friends for a very long time we actually have been friends for almost 15 years now. And we have a lot in common. We love ministry. We love the local church and we have all daughters. In fact, Brian and Carolyn have the three girls and my wife and I have four girls. And man, I'm telling you, when we get to hang out together, it is a whole lot of estrogen all in one room. So Brian and I love to kind of huddle up next to each other and go, man, we need something to throw or like break or crash just to let all the testosterone out. But anyway, Hey, it's a pleasure to bring this message to you guys today as we are beginning a series in the book of Psalms. In fact, today I'm going to be preaching out of Psalm chapter one. It's a sermon that I've titled The Blessing. But let me just tell you, Life Point Church, we love you guys. We're so grateful for Stockholm Community Church. We got to be a part of your launch weekend uh, with a team that we sent from our church. And we're looking forward to coming to being with you again in the near future. We are actually, today it's June 20th, and in the U.S. we celebrate Father's Day on June 20th. I think that's a celebration that you guys have in November, but hey, let me just give you an early shout out to all the dads there today. Happy Father's Day on behalf of your American pastor friend, Pastor Mike. So I love the book of Psalms for a lot of different reasons, and today we're going to be spending time in Psalm 1. There's a lot of different types of Psalms and a lot of different authors in the book of Psalms, but I really love the opening psalm, Psalm 1. Of the entire book of Psalms, I appreciate David's opening up with a psalm of blessing. Just like when Jesus first started preaching in Matthew chapter 5, we see him preaching the Beatitudes and he starts with pronouncing blessings. Blessed are those who. And so there's an obvious desire from this psalm to distinguish a life in God's blessing versus a life in the path of wickedness. Let me just read Psalm 1 to you then we're going to walk through this verse by verse. The writer of the Psalm here is David and he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners will stand in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's an obvious desire from this psalm to distinguish life in God's blessing versus life in the path of wickedness. This is setting the tone really for the whole book of psalm. We see this back and forth dichotomy between life life with the blessing of God and life in the path of wickedness. There's really only two options for how we live this life, either in God's will and God's blessings, or we live in our will, which ultimately brings destruction. It's the dichotomy of light versus dark, blessing versus cursing life versus death. Now, to be honest, I don't know anybody who actually has an excitement or a joy to choose the path of destruction or despair. I think what happens is we don't choose necessarily to destroy our lives, but we also don't choose to walk in a path of blessing and a path of life. We make small choices that are misaligned with God's will or we just kick off one degree or two degrees and we think, well, it's not a big deal. I'll just compromise here. I'll kind of let up here. I'll I'll lighten my my pressure points here or there. What's the harm? But destruction doesn't usually happen at one time. It's over the course of time that we realize we've gotten ourselves to a place that we didn't want to be at first. I recently read the story of Korean Airlines Uh, A Korean Airlines flight in 1983 that was headed to Korea out of Anchorage, Alaska. It was a routine flight up and over the Pacific Ocean uh, to Seoul, Korea. But there was an error in the navigation system that actually set the routing of the flight off by literally like a 1.5 degree difference. Now, at the point of takeoff, there was no noticeable difference. Even at 100 miles, they were not really that noticeable. But they were still off by 1.5 degrees and it wasn't uh, noticed for the first hundred miles but as they crossed the pacific they actually were into Russian airspace unintentionally and the Russians thought there were a U.S. spy plane that had gotten into their restricted airspace and so the Russians actually scrambled fighter jets they intercepted flight 007 and shot that plane out of the sky you can google that story it is tragic it's tragic on many levels but I think what it illustrates is what may be happening to some of us if we're not careful. It may have already happened or be happening to us now. We diverge a little here or there. We make compromises. We choose to let down our guard. We veer off course from the Lord, or we get out of church for a few weeks. COVID did that to a lot of us. In fact, you're watching this service, and some of you are still only watching and joining church online. We stop reading his word for a season. We stop our life of prayer. We get out of a rhythm of spiritual disciplines. We get close to people who aren't headed the same direction that our small group is headed or our faith friends. We let a little bit of bitterness creep in. It's just a little. It's just one relationship that we've allowed unforgiveness or bitterness to creep in. We compromise a little. And it's not immediately felt, but six months down the road, 12 months down the road, or maybe two years later, we realize we're further from God than we thought, and our, our life feels like a wreck. I want to spend the rest of our time slowly walking through this very practical psalm. Psalm 1, actually considered a wisdom psalm, which means we should see this psalm as a directive from God and something that is applicable to how we live our daily lives. This is not just a psalm of theology. This is practical and a good psalm for us to live out in our daily lives. If we'll hear God's word and do what he says, can I hear an amen from everybody? All right, so as we walk through this psalm, I want to see first what I have called the blessing blockers. Now, notice verse 1. He says, blessed is the man or the woman, the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice the three areas we don't walk, walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. I want to show you something really cool here. If we can just focus on the first word of the psalm. The first word of the psalm is blessed in the English Bible The Hebrew word is actually the word esher. Uh, There are a few words in the Hebrew for the word blessed, blessing, or to be blessed. But this word esher means content, centered, happy, and blessed with contentment. Honestly, many in our culture think that blessing is related to stuff or money or health or power, popularity or more. We ascribe blessing to people who have acquired more things or have more influence or have accomplished more than usual for their age or their demographic. We say, wow, you're really blessed. And we look at outward signs. We see a church member who succeeded in their business and we say, look how God has blessed you. Or we help a small group member move into their dream house and we stand in the foyer and we stand around, looking around saying, man, what a blessing. This house is such a blessing. God has really blessed you. This is perhaps a sign of blessing But this word for blessing, esher, is more about a sense of happy contentment, a settled centeredness that is not based on what we have or what we don't have or who follows us or who we influence, but it's based on something much richer than that. I want to ask you, how many of you would prefer to have that kind of blessing, material things irrelevant i'm talking about a centeredness with god a centeredness with who god has called you to be and who he's made you to be notice david tell, doesn't tell us what to do in order to be blessed he doesn't say if you want to be blessed do x y and z which is actually very counterintuitive for us as westerners and western thinkers or religious people in general if i pulled the room probably many of us have had some form of if i do this then i should get this blessing from god notice david doesn't say blessed are the people who do this But he says blessed or happy and content or centered is the person who doesn't do certain things. And notice what he says that we don't do. It's really centered on relationship and inputs. Look, it's blessed and centered and content and happy is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly or the non-believer. Listen, you must have unchristian friends, but they cannot be the people who are the strongest influences and the counsel of your life. Our cultures are showing very clearly what it means to listen to ungodly counsel. And so many of our, I know our nation and and European nations too, are showing the back end of following the counsel of the ungodly. He says, blessed is the person who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. In other words, not stand in the way as if you're blocking them, but stand in the same trajectory or stand in the same course of action of those who are not walking with God. Here, the psalmist calls them plainly sinners. And he says, blessed and happy, content and centered is the person who doesn't sit or settle themselves in the seat of scoffers, which are ridiculers, gossips, negative and critical people. It's so interesting, we want to be blessed like the Bible suggests. But how many of us have ungodly friends that are giving us advice and counsel? How many of us have sinful people or those who are living contrary to the word of God and the will of God and they are people that are in our lives and we're standing and doing life with them? And how many of us sit down with gossips and critical people or ridiculers? Hello, we sit there on our phones, on our social media, we're listening to the scornful, the gossip, the sinfulness and we wonder why we struggle with having a centeredness and a happy, blessed life. He says those who don't walk with, stand with, sit with. It's basically saying this. Blessed is the person who chooses not to do life with those not doing life with God. I want you to hear that one more time. He's saying blessed is the person who chooses not to do life with those choosing not to do life with God. This is basically saying, who do you do your life with? Are you, are you living with ungodly people, sitting with, standing with, being influenced by? And listen, it comes through our social media. It comes through our friendships, our relationships in our neighborhood or at our job. It may even be family members that are scornful, ridicule, or sinful people. And we think, well, I'm, I'm stuck with these folks. I got to do life with for them forever. But they should not be influencing you, moving you, and motivating the life that you live. Blessed is the person who doesn't stand with, sit with, and walk with the ungodly. If you want to be blessed and I'm talking not material blessing or influence I'm talking if you want to be happy and content and centered with God then you got to make sure that godless people and godless influences are out of your life in an appropriate way. From this passage we see that your blessing isn't being blocked by your lack of faith or your wrong confession but perhaps your blessing is being blocked by your terrible friends and influences. Look It may be that you're sitting and standing with them online, on TV, on the news, and watching your reality television or your workshop, your your, your workplace. But I want to ask you, if you were to consider your life today, are you blessed? Are you happy and content with God and content with where God has you? If the answer is no, don't blame God, blame your Rolodex. Don't blame God, blame the friend groups that you have. Don't get mad at God that you're not living in his blessing when you're doing life with people far from him. Get real about the friend group that you're in. Evaluate your level of blessing. Evaluate your level of happiness and contentment and then evaluate, am I walking with godly people or am I walking with ungodly people? Am I standing with and and, and sitting with uh, those who are living in sin and, and, and gossips and murmurs and negative people? And I'm telling you if that's your world you will not find happiness, contentment and the blessed life that God has for you. The second thing we see in this passage is how to be blessed by God. So we got the blessing blockers which is evaluating relationships. But second, what does it look like to be blessed by God? Look at verse 2. He says, "Blessed is he says blessed is the man who doesn't walk with these people, but his or her delight is the law of the Lord." And on his law, God's law, he meditates day and night. Now remember, this is the description of the blessed person. The blessed person doesn't walk or stand or sit with, doesn't do life with people who are far from God. But rather our delight, our love, our passion, our focus is on the law of God, the word of God, the relationship and intimacy with God. That's not just saying that we just love the Ten Commandments, but it's saying we delight in the ways of God, the heart of God, the passions of God, the desires of God, the people of God, the church of God, the family of God, the small group that God's given you. The blessed person is happy and content and centered because we delight in the things that bring delight to God. Look, he says, on it, we meditate day and night. That means simply this. We are consistently and regularly thinking about the Lord thinking about his passions and the affections of the Lord, about the desires of God, about what pleases God and how God would have us to live. I remember in college, I was, taking a walk, I was walking to one of my classes. I studied music in my undergraduate degree and I was walking to the music building and I'm walking through this parking lot next to my dorm and I remember I was, just, I was listening to worship music and I was praying and I just remember stopping in the middle of the parking lot and I had this moment with God. Where I realized that every part of my life matters to Him. So that means every part of how I live my life should matter to me because I want it to be an honor and a blessing to Him. So, what, I, what I'm not saying is that we just constantly thinking about the, the, the Ten Commandments or like being a good religious person. What I'm saying is that every heartbeat of our life matters to God, so it should matter how we spend it for God and, and that we are like intimately in fellowship with God, that we're ruminating on the word of God, that we're meditating. David said, your word, O God, have I hidden in my heart so that I may not sin against you. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, if you will love me, then you'll keep my commandments. Many of us have heard that scripture for years said, if you love God, you'll obey what he says. And it's kind of this punitive old school religious attitude. If you love God, if you say you love God, then you'll obey his commandments. But I think the heart of what Jesus is actually saying is, if you will love me, if you'll love Jesus, you'll keep my commandments. That'll come, that'll happen. Man, I'm telling you the blessed person, the blessed life by God, it's when we delight in the law of the Lord and on his word, we meditate day and night. In the old covenant, they would literally bind the scriptures, they would roll it in scrolls and put it in little boxes and, and find ways to bind it on their hands and their foreheads, they would post the bi- like little scrolls of scripture on the doorpost of their house. The word of God would be recited and meditated on regularly. Deuteronomy six, verse five through seven, says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And these words I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit down, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Doesn't that sound like the seat Stand, uh, stand with the sinners, sit with the scornful or, or walk with the ungodly. Here he's saying in Deuteronomy, it's like you should talk about these scriptures as you walk your life, as you sit in your family, with your family, as you lie down and as you rise. When they had the word on their hands and the word on their forehead and the word on their doorpost, it's constantly their meditation. They can't, they can't even grab a glass out of the cupboard without seeing the scriptures in their lives. For the blessed life, we think about the Lord all the time. He is our central affection. When Paul says, pray without ceasing, it seems like a daunting task unless you constantly have an affection for the Lord on your mind. Look, not only should we evaluate who's negatively impacting our lives, like the first part of the message, how do we remove those negative influences? But we also have to ask, do I really consider the Lord enough? Do I keep the Lord on my mind? Here's what I really believe. You can't walk in despair or sin or rebellion when you're walking in intimacy with God and meditating on him regularly. The third thing I want us to see in verse three, we see what it looks like to have this blessed life. Look what he says. He, the blessed, the blessed man, right? Who doesn't walk with the, the wicked or the sinner or the scoffer. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Look what he says in verse three. He is like a tree planted by streams of water notice a tree to be planted by water guarantees it's always nourished it's always provided for but it's also making provision for others he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does or she does he prospers man I just want to show you this quickly Blessed people are happy and content in relationship with God. They're close to the Lord. They meditate on God. And there's a centeredness that doesn't look like I need more stuff or I need more popularity. But it's grounded in healthy relationships with God and with others. And intimacy with God is regular. Look how it shows up like a tree. This is a sign of strength of stability, of power. Talk about centeredness, right? This blessed person, they're strong and centered and powerful, and they also offer protection for others. Notice it says, he will bear fruit in the right season. That means you're good for others as well. When you're centered on the Lord, you'll be strong, you'll keep growing in God's strength as the stream of God's provision continues to provide for you and keep you healthy and growing. You've all seen this type of person. This is the type of person that you call when you need spiritual encouragement. That's the type of person that you call when you need prayer. I have folks like this in my life. When things are going on, I know I can call them for prayer because they are the type of person that's blessed and centered and connected to the things of God. They meditate on the Lord. And I know that I can count on them to be a blessing in my life because they are centered on the things of God. Look, when you're planted in the Lord's provision, you'll be strong. When you're planted in the Lord's presence, you'll bear fruit in the right time. How many of us know trees don't bear fruit in every season? Trees bear fruit in their right season. Many of us get distracted because even though God has us planted somewhere, we're not seeing the fruit that we've demanded of God. But I'm telling you something, as you stay rooted in and planted into the presence of God, you will bear fruit in the right season. And even still, you're strong and planted, being nourished. Even a tree in the winter is growing its roots deeper. You don't see the the growth on the outside of the tree in the winter, but that tree is growing down and out even when it's not bearing fruit in the springtime. Listen, I'm challenging you. As you commit to God in this psalm series, as you respond to God in this message, let him grow your roots deep and grow your fruit in his timing. Be patient. Trust that God is growing you and he's blessing you in his timing. Maybe some of the reason we have ungodly counsel and friends and we, we do life with the wicked is because we're chasing the fruit of that life. But I'm telling you, that's not a fruit that's a blessing to others. It's not a fruit that will produce uh, life for you for everlasting. Trust the Lord. Be planted in him. Meditate on him. Dwell on him all the time. You might need to eliminate some relationships and reestablish a relationship with God. But trust that the blessed life for you is more about being rooted in Christ than even being fruitful for Christ. He says your leaf will not wither. That means you will not dry out. You will not wither away. You will not fall away. It's hard to fall away from God when you're planted in and rooted in God. I think so many of us have a fear of losing our passion or our salvation we don't, we don't lose it. We, we may leave it or drift. Remember that plane that was off 1.5 degrees over the hundreds of miles, realizing it was lost? And that's what happens when we compromise or we're, we're chasing wrong relationships or, or, or we, we listen to critics and negative people and we're not finding our connection, meditating in the word, staying connected to the Lord. But if you'll find your center in Jesus, if, if your relationship with Christ will be your primary relationship, if you will commit to delighting in the Lord day and night. Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to behave perfect. Just try to commit to delighting in him every day. You will not wither. You will be fruitful. You will be strong. You will be planted. In all that you do, you will prosper. I don't know if that fires you up or not, but it it excites me to know that everything God sets me out to do will be prosperous because I'm planted in him. Well, the final thing in this psalm is a risk. We see kind of a warning from David And he says, the blessed man doesn't walk in the council or stand in the way or sit in the way of sinful people, scoffers and scorners, but he delights in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted and he bears fruit in the right season. He doesn't wither and everything he does, he prospers. Then he says in verse four, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff in, in a time of harvest, when they've, they've got the wheat, uh, harvest, they, they, they shake the wheat harvest to get the kernels to come out of the, the hull of the kernel. And that, that, hole is called the chaff and the wind, it's lighter than the wind. So they, they do it in a low spot where the wind is passing across. So when they are, are tossing the kernels up, the wind can carry away the chaff, the debris. And he says the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. There's no stability there. There's no concrete relationship to the Lord. Look at this. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. In other words, they're not going to survive that. They're not going to make the judgment seat of God, nor will the sinners stand in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, the, the, the unbelieving, the wicked person, the sinful person that we're chasing after maybe or pursuing, they're not going to survive in the time of judgment or stand among the congregation of the righteous before the Lord. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Many of us struggle with the blessing or the material blessings or the notoriety or the, the fame or the influence that, that people far from God have. But trust me when I say this, there is a time coming when they will stand before God. And here he says, they will not stand, they will not survive. And they, they, the way of the wicked ultimately is a way of destruction and death and perishing. I don't want to spend a lot of time here with this part of the passage because I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but I do want you to realize there is a clear warning here. And it's clear throughout all of the Bible God's clarity never really changes on this thing. Listen, for those who reject the Lord, no matter how much you acquire in your rejection, no matter how far you go and how much growth you have and how much influence you acquire, for those who reject the Lord, who insist that their way is better than than God's way, for anyone who chooses not to walk with the Lord, the Bible calls them collectively the wicked. Their lives will be driven and blown like chaff They will not survive the judgment of God and the end of their days will be a day of perishing. This warning never changes. From the Old Testament to the New, no matter how much our culture changes, no matter how much our governments change, no matter how many laws change, God's will and standard never changes. By the way, that reality should move us as Christians to share the gospel more and to pray more for people who are far from God. Our world has changed so much. Even in the last 14 to 15 months, The sinful, the scornful, the wicked seem to be the loudest right now, and they seem to be on full display, but please don't forget the word of the Lord, that their end is coming and it will end in perishing if they do not submit to Jesus Christ. God will not be mocked. Those who prefer their own way will not stand in the judgment, will not stand in the company of the righteous in heaven. Being a good person or a woke person or a tolerant and accepting of all things person is not the same as being a blessed person whose delight is in the Lord day and night, and God will hold all people accountable. Look again at that last verse. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I'm encouraged by Psalm 1. I'm also challenged as a pastor to keep the word of God in front of us as a church, to keep the word of God on our mouths as we are talking to friends and colleagues and neighbors and family members who are far from God who are sitting and standing in the way of sinful people and the scornful, that the wicked among us need to know the Lord. Here's where I want to close with this. It seems somewhat somber at this point to end. I didn't write the flow of the psalm, right? That's how it ended in the psalm itself. But it's actually a sign of how good our God really is. He is just. He's holy. Listen, he's inviting everyone to walk with him. He's also allowing everyone to exclude him. He excludes no one from his invitation, even though many will exclude him from their lives. And he will still be God no matter what. He will still be the one who judges. He desires that you and I be blessed. He desires that that you and I have a centeredness and a connection to God and that we delight in the Lord. It's actually his desire for everyone in the world. That means that we walk with happiness and contentment and a centeredness because of our relationship with him. That blessing is not about what we have, but it's all about him who has us. So what do we do with a text like this? First of all, I wanna challenge you to just read Psalm one a lot this week. Read it every day, multiple times. In fact, it's only six verses, memorize it this week. It's very simple to memorize this. But I wanna challenge you in response to this message. If you say you wanna have God's blessing in your life, and you say, I wanna have happiness with God, a centeredness with God, and a centeredness with who God has made me to be, and a contentment in God's presence, I want to ask you to first, consider who are you doing life with. You may be three relationships removed from having actual centeredness with Christ. You might be one relationship away. It may be an in-law, it may be a parent, it may be a neighbor. it may be someone that you're, you've been friends with since grade school, but I'm telling you you might be one to three to ten relationships away from having a life centered on the Lord. Consider who are you doing life with. Are the people in your life building you towards the things of God? Or are they the the folks that are the wicked, the sinner and the scoffer? Second, I wanna ask, would you commit to delighting in the Lord? In Psalm 37, it says, delight in the Lord and he will give you and gift you the desires of your heart. What that means is he will plant his desires in your heart. What God wants for you will be what you want for you because you've delighted in him. But I wanna ask you to delight in the Lord. That means spend time in prayer every day. Spend time in the Word of God, whether you have to listen to it on a train ride or you're listening to it while you're walking to work or you're reading it in the mornings in the afternoons and the evenings. Spend time in God's Word. Go to church. Be a regular member of your church family. Be in a small group. Listen, every one of you needs to be connected to other followers of Jesus in a small group. Discipleship, fellowship, pastoral care. Follow the disciplines. Pray, read your Bible, worship God, journal, whatever you need to do to delight yourself in the Lord. If you're not sure how to delight in the Lord, I want you to think about how do you like someone building a relationship with you? If you're a quality time person, then you'll probably enjoy spending quality time with God. If you're a gifts and service person, then you'll probably enjoy spending time and doing things for God and with God. I just want to invite you to consider who you're doing life with and then commit to do to delighting in the Lord third, let the Lord grow you in his timing. Let God bear fruit in you. And also, as a, good, as a good God, he will prune you, which means he'll clean some things up in your life, some trim some edges off of your life. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord prosper you. Fourth, pray for those who are far from God. We can't hear a message like this and see that the end of the, of the, the end of all things for the wicked is to perish. Man, this warning is so strong. I want to ask you to pray for those that you know who are far from God. Pray that God arrest their heart. Pray that God draw them close to himself. And then finally, fifth, I wanna invite you to repent from your drift. Repent from the, the one and a half degrees of compromise or the five degrees of compromise or the sin that you've allowed in your life, whether it's the sin of unforgiveness, sexual sin, um, drug addiction, you, you, you've compromised with certain things in your life, whatever it is, just repent. That means turn away from that and turn back to God. Consider who you're doing life with, commit to delighting in the Lord, let the Lord grow you, prune you, bear fruit in you, pray for those far from God, and repent of your own drift and get yourself back into the presence of the Lord. It's been my honor to bring this word to you today and my hope is that it's encouraging, it's challenging, and it's helpful for you as a follower of Jesus. My goal as a preacher is to lead you to be a follower of Jesus more than you were yesterday. So my prayers at Psalm 1 will encourage you to that end. I want to close us out in a quick prayer, and we'll hand this back to your pastors. Lord, we honor you and thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 1. Thank you for the blessing of God that is available to us as we delight in you, as we walk closely in the counsel of the godly, and that, Lord, we would bear fruit in the season that you have called us to. Lord, I thank you that you have called some things out in us by your word. You've challenged us in the area of relationships and friendships, And so, God, we're not going to let that fall on deaf ears today. But, God, we're going to hear it clearly. And we're going to obey what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us to obey. God, give us the courage to follow you, to go all in with you today, to delight in you completely. Would everybody listening to this message, just pray this simple prayer with me. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, so I can live my life completely for him. Now, pray this. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Transform me. Change me make me new. Now say, God, I'm all in. Say it one more time. God, I'm all in, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Stockholm Community Church.